And the reality is one day it's going to happen. I hope that when the Lord comes that none of the people here will be here. I pray that this church will be empty. But the law of averages and what you've seen there, there's some people that are going to be here. And uh, there's no, no reason to have to be here. It's a great day for us as believers, and we're looking forward to it. And other people are just kind of put it in the back of their mind and saying, oh, that ain't going to happen. They've been telling us for years and years, and I should have got the verse, but in Second Peter he talks about that. He's saying, where is the promise of the Father? For life continues on the way that it is. Well, they said that years ago before Jesus was born. They said it before Jesus was crucified. They've said it over and over and over again that things aren't going to happen. But one day it's going to happen. And one day it's an exciting time for me. Now, I know every day of this year, this time of year, I'm excited because I personally believe that the Lord will come during the Feast of Tabernacles. I just go Tabernacles. Feast of Trumpets. That's going to be an exciting time, and, and it's next week. It's good. Next week is the Feast of Trumpets. That's exciting. I feel like a kid at Christmas because this could be the year. This could be the year we get to go home. If that, you're not excited about that, you need to get excited. You need to get your heart changed because one day it will happen. Amen? Now, the Feast of Trumpets celebrates God's call to his people announcing his coming. He uses that. Leviticus 23. 23 to 25. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no customary work on it, and you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. God has certain things going on in the world, and he started them clear back there. Before we were, we were even thought of thousands of years ago, all this stuff God was putting in, in order. In 1988, a man named Edgar Wisenant received a lot of attention in the Christian world with a booklet he entitled, 88 Reasons the Rapture Will Occur in 1988. TBN de dedicated a whole entire weekend to special programming about the rapture with special announcements for the large, for the people who might miss it. While most of the Christian world was taking the prediction with a large grade of salt and we'll see attitude, it, it had gotten a lot of press. Wisenhunt had a retired NASA, NASA engineer and used a lot of impressive mathematic gymnastics to arrive at his conclusion. He at least had the ear, if not the total confidence, of several big-name evangelists. Now, during this period of time, I think it was 1987, that Pastor Smith, and you know Pastor Smith's been here, he taught about this. He put that book out about 88 reasons why Christ would come. And he went through it. And the information was good. You just can't predict dates. That was where he made his mistake. Was, was made. And when 88 went by, then he changed it to 89 reasons why Jesus would come in 1989. And... Uh, but he did a lot of research, and he thought he had, he thought he had it right. And, but he didn't, obviously. And I'm glad he didn't, aren't you? There's people who got saved in past 1988. And I'm glad he didn't come. Because uh, there are a lot of people, maybe somebody wouldn't be here today. So I'm glad he didn't come then. But one day he will come. And I know that when someone makes a specific, uh, what do you call it, uh, what I got right? Yeah, prediction, there's the word. It won't happen. I know, well, mark that day off. 
course, I told Randy, I'm not going to think about the rapture because it says he's going to come in an hour. I think not. That's when he's going to come. But everything that Jesus did and God did is, has a perfect order of things. And in these last, oh, I guess 40 years, whatever, we're starting to understand a lot of this stuff a lot more than we did. It used to be, oh, man, how can anybody, uh, a population be destroyed? And how can anybody be killed and the flesh rot right off your bones? They said, oh, this is just, uh, uh, what do you call it, sign. That's all. Whatever it is. But until they invented the atomic bomb. And that's exactly what happens. And so all these things are kind of coming into place, and God is putting things in, in order. Matthew 24, 32 through 34. It says, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twig, twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is nigh. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will not certainly not pass away until all things have been fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now, if you've done any studying at all of the Bible or prophecy or anything, you're going to know that the fig tree represents Israel. And one day, Israel is going to be completely restored. And we're in that situation now. In Isaiah, the next slide, the next, Isaiah 66, 7. It says, before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. This scripture was fulfilled when uh, Israel became a state, when they recognized her. And it was May 15, 1948. So that was the start. I think that was starting the things in the final times that's going to happen. And according to that last verse we read, this generation, now I know there's been all kinds of discussion about what a generation is. Some people say it's 40 years. Some people say it's 120 years. It doesn't matter. As long as there's somebody that was born from, from uh, 1948, the beginning of 1948 on, Someone from that generation will be alive when everything is fulfilled. That's what the scripture says. And Israel came together in a moment, brought forth in a moment. Can that happen? It was impossible. You know, 4,000 years ago, how could this happen? Israel was dispersed, and they didn't have no nation. They didn't have any land, even though they had the land over there. Then all of a sudden, they started coming back to Israel, and they took that desert and they turned it into a rose in a fertile area. It's not the desert now. But it was when they got it. And as soon as they got it, then other people wanted it. But that land belongs to Israel. And God don't take it kindly on people that try to divide it up. Because he had a promise to Abraham that this will be the land that belongs to him. Forever. He's got, they, God gave them a title deed. So don't listen to all this stuff going on and say, oh, we want a dual state. No, we don't. We want all of them kicked out and go start your own nation somewhere else. The Arabs in the Middle East have a lot more land than Israel does. They just don't want Israel to have any. <clears throat> That's the reality of it. They don't want to recognize them as a nation or nothing because they hate them so bad. 
And we know that with ISIS and all this stuff going on, it's bringing terror into people's hearts, especially over there. They're going door to door in the area and asking people to deny Christ. And if they don't, they kill them. That's a reality. And that, you know, sitting there, man, what would you do? Well, I already know what I'd do. It don't matter to me. Go ahead and kill me. I'll be in heaven before the dust clears or before my, before my body hits the ground. It doesn't matter to me. I've already got that settled in my mind. But if they come and knock on your door and say that, if they come and knock on your door and you say, if you don't deny Jesus, I'm going to kill your kid, what are you going to do? There's going to be a lot of decisions that maybe need to be made. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in America. I don't have any idea what it is. But I do believe that the church, the body of believers, will not be here. Period. He's going to save him from the tribulation that's coming. And, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So this is just one of many signs that we see around us. And we know when these things begin to come to pass, not everything come to pass, when these begin to come to pass, that our redemption draws nigh. And I'm looking forward to that day. Now, many uh, theologians believe that history coincides with the Feast of the Lord. And we know the first four feasts have been fulfilled, and we have three more to go. And the, one of those is, is the uh, Feast of Trumpets, or Rosh Hashanah, as it's called, and it's the beginning of the new year. It's the first and second of Tarashai, something like that. I have a hard time with these names any more than you do. Of course, I have trouble with people's names, and they're here, too. They're just there. I just have trouble with them. They're just hard to pronounce. I tell them they ought to name them Bill and George and John so I could understand it. But they didn't. didn't ask my, they didn't even ask my opinion. They went and named those calendars without asking me. Hmm. Anyway, um, so one day it's going to happen. Now, this year it's September 24th and 25th at sundown in Israel, and it's the 23rd and the 24th here. It starts at 10 o'clock on Wednesday in Fernonia. If you're in Kanab, it'll be... Not, it'll be later or whatever. That's, that's when it's going to, you know, the, the Feast of Trumpets starts is on those days. And, you know, just calling it the Feast of Trumpets reminds me of a trumpet, doesn't it? <laughs> and it's known for blowing trumpets, Leviticus 23, 1 and 2. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, these are my appointed festivals, the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you are to proclaim as a sacred Assemblies. See, that's we got our name from, assemblies. See, it's right there in the Bible. Assemblies of God. We are assembling for God. <laughs> case, just in case you were wondering. And now the Bible is full of all kinds of picture lessons, isn't it? They things that represent one thing, and, and we can see how it equates to something in our own life. And, and God and Jesus use simple terminology in a lot of things. I know that we have a hard time understanding some of the things in the Bible because they were written in the customs and things that we don't understand. And we usually don't want to invest the work to find out what it means. Because if you start digging in and studying, it didn't say read the Bible to show yourself thing. It says study to show thyself approved. And study doesn't mean reading the scriptures. Okay, I done my duty for the day. It means finding out what's in there. What's, say, what's going on here? If something confuses you or you can't understand, ask God to help you understand it. And then start looking through commentaries. Like I said, it's, it's so nice. That I wish that I had the Internet when I was going to Bible college. It would have been so nice to be able to get the things that are available today. Of course, some of that stuff, you've got to be very careful because there's things that are biblical and things that aren't, but they make them sound biblical, so you think it's true. So you need to know the Word in order to get through some of that stuff. But, man, I'd love to because you can, you can research a lot of stuff out. 
You can get different Bible versions and get it. So there's a lot of ways that we can understand things. But we have this terminology that we use. We call it types and shadows. Have you ever heard that? Types and shadows. This is an old, old time secret word. It's things that, you know, they didn't really understand it, but it was a type. See, Christ was a type of, you know, Passover lamb, wasn't he? He fulfilled that, that thing. He, he was the Passover lamb. That was a types and shadows. So every time he talked about Passover lamb, basically, Jesus was going to fulfill it. And one thing you need to understand about prophecy is that there's different fulfillments of it. It's kind of like, and we've described it like this, you're looking at a mountain range, and all you can see is one mountain. But as you get closer to it, you realize there's another mountain behind it. You didn't see because this mountain was blocking it. And so sometimes there's a double fulfillment of everything in the Bible. So, yeah, there's a current uh, fulfillment that they go through right then, but it's also prophetic. And uh, <coughs> all the feasts are basically prophetic. And God's going to fulfill every single one of them. <coughs> he chose to use symbols that we could understand, and I'm glad he did. And when you study, go back to the customs and that, you can get a lot more understanding out of that. Uh, put up the next slide, please. This is the historical background. And I know I used these, these uh, things last year, but it doesn't matter because you probably never forgot them anyway. But it, it kind of breaks it down. Now, the first, uh, there are seven feasts. God gave his people to observe the broken and broken down into three seasons. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. These spring feasts coincide with the barley harvest and were fulfilled by Jesus by his life, death, and resurrection. Next slide. The Feast of Weeks, or Pentecost, coincided with the completion of the wheat harvest and was fulfilled by Jesus giving the Holy Spirit, which started the church age we now live in. The Feast of Trumpets, yay, that's where we're at. It starts the Feast of the Ingathering. Does that sound kind of an ingathering? In corn, wine, and oil, and fruit? I'm probably a fruit. <laughs> But, uh, or the, oh, I'm an etc. that's me, I'm the etc. Anyway, they bring all those things in, and then the Day of Hol Atonement, which is the holiest day in Judaism, that is it. And a lot of the, the wars that are started in the Middle East, they do it on this day because they want to catch them off guard. But they've won. Anyway, next slide. The Feast of Tabernacles, where Jesus sets up his millennial kingdom. That's going to be fulfillment of it. And it says, these three fall feasts will also be fulfilled by Jesus. The first four feasts were filled in order, and so will the last three. There's a long gap between Pentecost and the fall feast, which is the time of the Gentiles. Now, after the Feast of Trumpets comes a 10-day period. And during this 10-day period is a time to think about their lives and what they're, what they're doing with their lives. And uh, then followed by that 10 days is, the, is uh, atonement, the Day of Atonement. Now, the Feast of Trumpets was a feast or in-gathering of all the people and the priests had to come. They had to be there for it. So everyone that was a child of God in the Old Testament, they, we can call them child of God because they were serving God. The ones that were serving God were there, and they were required to come to Jerusalem. That was an order, and the trumpet was sounded, you know, sounded that out for them. Now, the Feast of Trumpets announced what was coming, and that was the Day of Atonement. Now, Rosh Hashanah, put on the next slide, please. Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, is known by other names. Yom Hedin, the Day of Judgment. Yom Hakashish, something like that. I have Cliff pronounce these. The Hidden Day. Yom Turah, the Day of Awakening. Yom Hazakaron, the Day of Remembrance. How many of you want to name your kids like any of these names? Any volunteers? 
So those are the different names that they have, and each one of them has a dis different meaning uh, for them. Now, during the Feast of Trumpets, three books are opened. They have the, the Book of the Righteous, and all the people that are righteous are, are, are added to that book. This is a book of life. Now, this is, see, because they only could come once a year on the Day of Atonement. They could only go in to the Holy of Holies and, sh and put blood on the uh, altar in there. Only during Day of Atonement, one day a year, and that was, this was it. So everybody during this, this week, if you were born the year before, you had to be entered into the Book of the Righteous. And then they had the Book of the Wicked, wicked. and they were, all, they were uh, set aside for death. And then they had a group of people who couldn't make up their mind one way or the other. And they had the 10 days to decide if they're going to be righteous or wicked. If they're going to be righteous, they get their name in the, in the Book of Life. If they're not, then in the Book of Death. So those books are opened at those times. So the people are thinking about every sin that they've committed over the last year, every word, everything that they've done, so they can confess and they can repent. Because of the Day of Atonement, once that's done, you're sealed for the next year. That's it. So you're very careful, and they are very careful about this day because it's the day that, that they get to uh, lo overlook their lives and confess their sins. Of course, they confess their sins and do things during the year, but this is the great day that they have for to think about the un. The sins we don't know we committed. God, show me the sin that I haven't committed, that I've committed. You know, I pray that, God, if there's any sin in my heart, show me. Show me what it is so I can confess it. We need to do that same thing. But they, they searched their hearts for 10 days. And then they confessed them, they repented and all that. And then the day of atonement, their sins were covered for another year. And there's only one day a year they got to do this. And in between, if you're, you know, I've spent a fortune on lambs for my offerings, but because <laughs> it's really a hard, a hard way, religion to live. Now, the Yom Hadin meant the day of judgment. That was the uh, first fee, the first name that they have. Now, Yahakesh, or Hit, is the hidden day. Now, the Feast of Trump Trumpets was on the first of Tarishai, and it was a day to be determined by someone had to see the moon in the sky at a certain point. And then they'd blow the trumpets and announce it had to be witnessed by two people. Two people had to witness it. And when they witnessed it, then they could blow the trumpets, saying that the, this is the day the Feast of Trumpets starts. But see, on some days, maybe it's cloudy. And you couldn't see the moon. Have you ever, have you ever had been at night when there's so many clouds you couldn't see the moon? So they didn't know whether it happened or not. That's why they have two days during that festival to be able to decide that thing. And they can look back and say, well, this was the day. So this is the only time that they don't know exactly when the day is. Don't know the day. Hmm, sounds interesting, doesn't it? Uh, Matthew 24, 36. But about the day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son of God, but only the Father knows when Christ is going to come. That was when he was, he said this when he was on earth. I believe personally, you can believe what you want, that once he went to heaven, he was glorified, he knew. Because he knows everything God knows. Wouldn't you say that? And if God knows, Jesus knows. And if Jesus knows, the Spirit knows. So it isn't a secret. While he was here, he was limited by his humanity. Another thing that he was willing to give up uh, in heaven was knowing those kind of things. The Spirit had to tell him stuff just like they had to tell us. Today, of course, he was closer to the Spirit than he are because he was God. So, um, but I think that now he does know. 
Now, if you don't believe that, that doesn't matter. I, can't, I don't have a chapter or verse from that, but uh, that's my own opinion. And that's why I want to make sure that you know it's my opinion. But no man knows. Now, Rosh Hashanah, which is the main name for the Feast of Trumpets, began the new year. Now, this was an important time because this set their calendar for the next year. This is the only feast that had two days that you could choose one or the other on for it to start. And then from that day, the whole calendar for the next year was decided. That, have you ever noticed how come we don't have, uh, their days don't coincide with ours a lot of times? They don't. Well, they have 30-day months. We have 30-day months, and we have 31-day months, and we have 28-day month, one, one. And then every four years, we have leap year, which we add a day. Well, once after so many times, they add a whole month to catch up. But this first day, the Feast of Trumpets, sets the whole calendar. So, and that's why ours works different days. You think, man, how come Easter's on a different day every year? How come it isn't the same time? Well, that's why, because this feast sets the calendar for the whole year. So it's very important that they got it right. Um, next slide, please. Now, these were some other um, New Year's, if you will, that they had. The day the kings determined how many years they ruled and recorded. Once a year they recorded how long they'd been king. Nis and that's in the Nisan is the first month. Elu 1 is the new year for the tithing of animals. So in the spring they get ready to do things because they got to tithe the animals that were born. First, first born belong to God. Shabbat 15th, the new year's for the trees. And Teresha 1, which is Rosh Hashanah, the new year of years. And they, they believe it's the anniversary of the creation of the world. That's uh, what most theologians think, and it's what I think. So you can take it for whatever you want, but uh, this is what I think as far as the, uh, the trumpets goes, Feast of Trumpets goes. Now, beginning in the first day of the sixth month of Elu, the trumpet is blown each day except on the Sabbath and on the day before Rosh Hashanah. Then on the two days of Rosh Hashanah, exactly 100 notes of various types are sounded, ending with a long blast. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 52. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Now, the Jews believe traditionally that during the first Feast of Trumpets, they, there's a gate that opens in heaven. They believe that. And I think it's kind of awesome that they do it on this day, and they believe that on this day. And uh, according to the Talmud, the resurrection of the dead will take place on this day. Now, the Talmud is kind of like a, a side book to the Ten Commandments where they make the other laws and rituals and everything are in, included in that book. The, the Mishnah and the Talmud are the books that they have, and that's what they you know, write down in there so the people that are uh, going to look at it, this is what I believe. And we have kind of, we, we do that to a certain degree. We have the doctrines of the Assembly of God believe. We have 16 basic doctrines that we have. If you don't know what they are, we'll be glad to get you a copy. And uh, so it's kind of a side thing. Uh, as long as it's biblical, I don't care. But that's what the Talmud was, and those were, that was their belief system at the time. Um, put up the next slide, please. Oh, I missed this one. Sorry, right, I'll read it. Uh, the, there are three trumpets that have a name. The first trump, the last trump, and the great trump. The first trump is associated with Pentecost. 
The last trump is associated with Rosh Hashanah. The great trump is associated with Yom Kippur. So in that passage that we read a minute ago, he was telling us, last trump. That's what the Feast of Rosh Hashanah tells us. It's the last trump. So I get excited about that every year. I don't know. But uh, now we'll read 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout, command with the voice of the archangel and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and still remain are left and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. That's an exciting time. We look forward to it. I'm not locking any time frame in, but I'm just saying what I've studied. I've known about the Bible and things that I've studied and, and uh, listened to and stuff. That that's the best chance. And it has to be fulfilled sometime because all the others were fulfilled. So this one's going to be fulfilled. Whether it's next week or the year, next year, next year, 20 years from now. I don't know. It don't matter. I just get excited at this time of year. And uh, <clears throat> that's why I like it. Now, the Feast of Trumpets was also called Yom Terah, an awakening blast or shout. Numbers 10, 1 and 2a. The Lord said to Moses, make two trumpets of hammered silver and use them for calling the community together. These trumpets are made of silver and used to call the assembly together. They knew when they heard certain sounds, that's the time they're supposed to come. Because they didn't have intercoms. They didn't have things. But these trumpets blared loud enough that they could hear them all around the camp, and they were required to come, and they knew what it was. Didn't have to worry about it. they blow that trumpet. They would all gather together at the tent meeting. That, what, that represented the presence of God. <coughs> um, and the trumpet with silver was also um, speaks of redemption. Jesus was sold for what? 30 pieces of silver. That was the price that man placed on, our on, his, on Christ. It was 30 pieces of silver. Another name for the Feast of Trumpets was Yom HaKazaron, the Day of Remembrance. Now, this was the time to remember everything that God had done for you during the last year. And it's called Count Your Blessing Time. And that's what we need to do more of. We're too busy to complaining that we forget all the blessings God has done for us. And we live in a negative world. There's certain people you talk to, and everything's negative because they don't, they haven't got it. God's in charge. It doesn't matter what is going on. Doesn't matter at all because God is in charge. It may look like a, uh, confusion and all this other kind of stuff, but God's in charge, and all this stuff's going to come together according to His will and purpose. And uh, I believe the Feast of Trumpets is going to be when the church is taken out, the born again believers, and that ten day represents the. Um, tribulation, and then the Day of Atonement, it comes back. And then for the tabernacles, which follows that, and that's when he's going to set up his kingdom and rule and reign. That makes sense. That's the only way that I can see these, these feasts being fulfilled and what the most of the theologians believe. And what's a theolo theologian? I don't know. I have no idea. I guess somebody that has a degree. Well, I have a degree, but I'm not that smart either. So... <laughs> Doesn't mean nothing. But if you study stuff, God will open your eyes to it. I like to study. I like to dig stuff out and find stuff. So, oh, wow, this is cool. I like this. I've got to share this with the church. <laughs> because it, 
I like to dig into those things and study them. <coughs> Exodus 19, 18 and 19. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke builded up, but it is like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. And the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered. Woo! Remember that from the Old Testament when it said, you know, you got to wash your clothes and you got to do all these other kind of things. And we're going to hear God. God wants to talk to you. And everybody's, oh, yeah, I'm excited about that. And to them it sounded like a trumpet. And then they got scared. We don't want to hear God's voice. Moses, you talk to God. You just tell us what he said. We don't want to talk to him. Ah, I get convicted. I don't want to go to church because I get convicted. They don't say that, but that's... I feel bad about things that I've done, and what if somebody saw me there? <gasps> That's the way they were. They were really excited about it. So sometimes the voice of God is, sounds like a trumpet, evidently, in Revelation 1.10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me the loud voice like a trumpet. That's in Revelation, and that's in chapter 1. In chapter 4, Jesus tells John, come up hither. Come up hither. One day he's going to say, come up hither. And that's when we're going to get to go home. Amen? I'm excited about that. If you're not excited, you need to get saved. I feel like a kid at Christmas time. Man, I can just hardly wait. I can hardly wait. Oh, I can hardly wait to see what God got for me. See, the kids like it because they want to see what you bought them. But we want to go to heaven so we can see what God got us. Amen? It's going to outshine anything that we could ever imagine. So it, it's an exciting time. Um, Romans 13, 11 and 14. And to do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to awake up out of from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is very nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Time's short. It's short. If you don't know that looking around you, you're missing the signs. It said there'd be wars and rumors of wars. I think I've heard a few of those. Oh, it's more than a rumor. Man, everybody's fighting. Every time I turn around, there's no more wars going on. It's, we've never had so many wars as we have right now. Earthquakes will increase. We've had more earthquakes than ever before. The weather will get messed up, but it isn't global warming. Global warming's a hoax, just in case you want it. They just want to use it to uh, control us like a lot of things they do. But uh, all these signs are there if we just open our eyes and see them. So we don't get caught unaware. We need to start living in the darkness and start walking in the light. How do you know whether what you're doing is acceptable? Would you want it up here? I know there's a lot of things I wouldn't want up there, and they're not some of that stuff, but would I invite Jesus with me to go there and do that? Because every place you go and whatever you do, Jesus is with you if you're a believer. He lives inside you through his Holy Spirit. So whatever you're doing, he's doing it with you. I mean, he's not doing it. He's trying to get you not to do it. But we need to make that decision. I am going to live for God. Time is short. It could be next week. 
If it isn't, then fine. I'm going to watch and be ready just in case it isn't that day. Doesn't matter. I, I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen. I believe it's my own personal belief, and I have a lot of other people believe the same way that have studied the Bible. So <clears throat> I anticipate it. Uh, Romans, as Romans, John 14, 1 and 3. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house has many rooms. <clears throat> if that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. Now, the King James Version says mansions. We got a song, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. Well, really, that isn't, bi that isn't biblical. We don't have mansions. You know what they did back then? When the son wanted to get married, he didn't go out and build a separate house. He added a room to his father's house. And that's what they did. <clears throat> that's what Jesus is doing. When I got saved, he added a room to his father's house. I'm going to my father's house. <clears throat> that's what he did. So <clears throat> technically, you don't have a mansion. You have a room that he's built on to his house. And that sounds more personal to me, doesn't it? <clears throat> I don't want to live next door to Jesus. I want to live in the same house. Don't you? That's exciting. So I didn't want to crush your... Song, you can sing that if you want, but it's not biblical just in case. <clears throat> now, when they took a bride, or if the son was going to go take a bride, they just didn't go and ask somebody to marry him. Or they didn't just go out and have a date and stuff like that. They arranged marriages, and there was things that had to happen for them. <clears throat> uh, they had to set a price for the bride, a dowry. They had to do all these things that they had to do before they would be agreed. And it's a contract. According to their law, the minute they got engaged and signed these contracts, it was just like they were married, even though they weren't. They were just engaged. They weren't married yet because the son had to do one thing. After all this stuff has happened, he had to go and make a room for him. He had to build that room onto his father's house. He had to do it. He had to make it presentable because he couldn't come back and get his bride until the father looked at the room and said, okay, son, looks good to me. Go get her. Because if they, if they didn't, if the father didn't decide, all the son to do is go back to throw two boards and a blanket together and say, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm going to get my bride. Wouldn't it? That's why the father had to decide. And all the ladies back then were sure glad of that. Otherwise, they'd live in the cave or something. Who knows? Because they wanted to get married. They wanted, they wanted their woman. And so they had to do these things, and that's what God does because he has a lot of things that resembles the wedding. And we're called the bride of Christ, aren't we? And so he's out there preparing a place for us. He's preparing a room. He's adding it on. I don't think he's hammering nails, though. He's speaking it. And every room is going to be everything that we wanted. Everything for each one. All our rooms aren't going to be the same. You know, you go to a hotel, all the rooms are pretty much the same, aren't they? Doesn't matter what get, which room you get in. The bed, the kitchen, or whatever, whatever's there might be on a different side, but the other one on the other side is on the other side. So, you know, but he's going to make it for us individually. And when I got saved, he started working on it. I, hope, I think he's done. I hope he's done with mine. Then he's getting busy. As soon as someone gets saved, he starts building again for something. So you want Jesus to come faster? Do more work. Go out and reach the world for Christ. Be a witness. Talk to people about the Lord. Because one day that last person is going to say, here I am, Lord. And it's over for the church age. 
There's still going to be things on the earth. People are still going to get saved. But the believers will be gone. And I don't want to be here. It's not going to be a pleasant place to be. And when it was time for him to get his bride, and the father said, okay, get your bride, then the wedding party would go with him. And man, I'll tell you, it was a commotion because it didn't matter what time it was. It could be midnight. It could be 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning. It didn't matter. When it was ready, man, that groom's ready to go. Come on, guys, let's go. And we know the parable of the ten virgins. They were waiting for the, for the bridegroom. Some were sleeping. They didn't bring oil for their lamps. We know that story. Well, that equates to the Jewish wedding and the way that they did things. Now, who is in the wedding party that our bridegroom is bringing with him? Have you ever thought about that? I had until I started doing this sermon. I thought, who is this wedding party? And I got to figure it out. Anyway, I think I got to figure it out. It's all the people that died in Christ and all the Old Testament saints. They're coming with him to get their bodies. Amen. We have to wait for them to get their bodies if we're alive, and then we all go up together. Amen? Hallelujah. It's going to be an exciting time when graves start popping open. You know, there's a part of me that wants to be able to see a little bit before I go. You know, I want to look around and see people. And I want to be in a crowd of people when it happens. Man, I'm so excited about it. So make an appointment. Be somewhere at 10 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday, yeah. Be somewhere because it would be fun. I'd like to watch. But we won't. We won't care. But everything's just going to be poof, and we're gone. And it'd be exciting because the people we've told about God's going to say, you know, they really, t- they, they, it was true. It was true. And a lot of people are going to get saved because of that. And uh, I don't know when he's going to come for his bride next week, a year from now, 20 years from now. But I do know he's coming. Go ahead and show that other video.
If that doesn't give you Pentecostal doodads, you need to get your your doodads checked. You know, that makes, oh, that's a shouting song, isn't it? Hallelujah, one day's going to come. It just gives you goosebumps. Oh, man, today's a good day. Let's get practice rapture gyms. It was exciting. I don't know whether you noticed that woman that was there when she went out. She was older. You kind of couldn't see her face. And all of a sudden, she was changed, and she was a young, young woman again. That's exciting. I can be a young woman again, and no metal. And it won't matter how much I weigh, because we'll all be perfect, the right size. Isn't that exciting? We're going to glorified body, and it could happen any time, but I'm expecting it on the day of trumpets. That's when I'm personally expecting it. So, But if you're not right and this didn't excite you, if this didn't light your fire, you need to accept Christ as your Savior. Because one of these days, he's going to come. I don't know whether it's going to be next, next week or not, but we have to be ready all the time. Because when we're not ready, that's probably when he comes. And I know that most of the people that are here today are excited about that. But some of you are saying, oh, no, don't come tomorrow. Don't come next week. I'm the, I want to get married first. Or I want to graduate high school. Or I want to do this and I want to do that. I'll tell you, when you fall in love with Jesus, I, none of that stuff's going to matter. I don't care. If I leave and whoever first come, first serve, they can have my house. I don't care. Our cars. Find the keys. It don't matter to me because I don't want to be here. I want to be with him. I want to be with the bridegroom. And the, the people that are married, you remember your wedding day and how excited you were about that. Well, that don't have a hold of candle to what that day's going to be like. And we're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And that's like one millionth of a second, I think they figured that. That's how fast it's going to be. Now, I don't know how, how we're going to be changed. I like to think that when our bodies go, the clothes just fall in a hump, lump on the ground. That's what I like. Because then there's no doubt. And me... I have metal in me, and it has numbers on it, so they'll be able to tell who was there. <laughs> Check it out. So having metal does have its advantages. So if somebody doesn't come, say, here, have a young piece of sonder. Here she is. This was hers. This was in her left knee. <laughs> this was in her right hip. <laughs> That'd be so exciting. But, and I, you know, I sit there and I think about, you know, it would be nice to see what's going on here and the shock and those people that you talked to about Jesus that rejected it and called you a fool. You just want to be there for that, don't you? See that I'm right. But see, we won't care about any of that stuff. All we'll want to be with Jesus. You want to be with your bridegroom. And that's what it's like. So if you're here today and you don't know God, you need to. You need to get introduced. Amen? Let's pray. Our President Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you've given us a little insight into your, fe- your feast. And I don't, I don't know, Lord, when you're going to come. Maybe it is next week. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's 20 years from now. It doesn't matter. But, Lord, we are, I'm excited about your coming. I'm excited about being with you and seeing you and for me to be changed and have my glorified body. Lord, I'm looking forward to that. And I know, Lord, that a lot of the people here this morning are looking forward to that. But there might be one that doesn't know you. And, Lord, I pray right now that that one would have conviction in their heart and say, you know, you need to make that decision. You need to do it. doesn't matter whether you're young or old. Whether you've been coming to this church for 50 years, it doesn't make any difference. You still need to be saved because that's the only entrance into the kingdom. And when that trumpet sounds, 